Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. That point, I'm not going to read a section for a text, but I'm going to preach from the 18th chapter, and I will be referring to quite a number of verses throughout the chapter. I would like to call your attention to them at the appropriate time. 1 Kings chapter 18. Tonight, we're going to continue with the same theme, and we will be preaching from the 19th chapter of this same book. We invite you to come out this evening and be with us as well. We'll have a good service tonight. To set the stage for the message this morning, a little background. Ahab is king of Israel, and he had been apparently on a trip over to the Mediterranean Sea, and there he had gotten acquainted with a beautiful lady by the name of that, and I use that word advisedly, by the name of Jezebel. You don't know anyone by the name of Jezebel, I'm sure. It's a name that has become absolutely unusable because of the connotations that the name carries. There's another Jezebel made reference to in the New Testament, but probably that was not her real name, but was given that name because of the woman named Jezebel here in the book of 1 Kings. He fell in love with this girl and married her and brought her home to his palace. She was a worshiper of pagan gods, particularly the god Baal. She brought with her 450 or perhaps even more prophets, preachers if you please, of her god. And through her influence, King Ahab, who was a worshiper of Jehovah, agreed to allow her to establish churches in the communities of the nation and to allow these false prophets to begin to preach and teach the doctrine of Baal to win converts from amongst the Jewish people. There weren't very many people that would stand up to Jezebel, let alone her husband. He was completely controlled by her and agreed to establish the places of worship for Baal and his prophets. And as a result, the worship of Jehovah began to wane. Great number of Jewish people quit going to church, to the temple, to the tabernacles, places of worship. Their places of worship began to fall into disrepair. Their altars were torn down. Few people were worshiping God because of the influence of Jezebel. But there was one prophet named Elijah who refused to knuckle under and quit his preaching. 
Jezebel had killed quite a number of the prophets. Several hundred of them hid in the caves, in the mountains, to keep from being killed. But Elijah went on preaching up and down the land that which he believed was God's word. And it got to the point that Jezebel sent word to Elijah that she was after him and would kill him before all of this was over, therefore believing that she would destroy the preaching of God's word amongst the people. As we began the actual scripture, the 17th verse where we shall begin, there comes a time when King Ahab and Elijah faced each other. They had a meeting. And Ahab accuses Elijah of being the one that has brought trouble to Israel. The nation had fallen into a great famine. It had not rained for many, many months. Their food was gone. They had no place to turn for help. They were starving. And Ahab has the audacity to look at the prophet of Israel and say, you're the one that has caused all this. And Elijah refuted that charge. And in the 18th verse, he points out that it is not he that has caused the problem in Israel, but it is Ahab himself, for he and his father's house, the people of Israel, have forsaken the commandments of the Lord. One of the things that I have learned and probably been guilty of on a number of occasions is that people do not want to admit the problem is within themselves but want to find somebody else to accuse. This is the issue that Ahab had not been willing to face. My problem is not you. My problem is me. Your problem is not me. Your problem is you. And the sin that lies within is my problem, and the sin that lies within is your problem. Our problem, individually, is that which we do not want to recognize is that our lives are not right with God. Our relationship to Jesus Christ is not as it ought to be. And when sin lies at the door, we will not acknowledge that it is our problem, but we will want to cast it off onto somebody else. And Elijah tried to throw it off on the preacher. Now you can try that if you want, it will work. But this is what Elijah attempted. When a man or a woman is not willing to come face to face with the problems of his own life in relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ, he will try to find somebody else to blame. There's many a man that has said it was my mom and dad's fault. There is many a parent who said the problem with my kids is the way the school teaches them. There is many a person who says the problem is the 
church. The problem is the preacher. The problem is the neighbor. The problem is, the problem is, the problem is somebody else, but it's not me. Keep writing about you to mind as we preach this morning. And Elijah said, the real problem is that Israel has forsaken the commandments of the Lord. In verse 18. So he makes a proposition. He says to the people of Israel, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll set up a test to determine who God really is. You bring the prophets of Baal and meet me on the top of Mount Carmel. And so the prophets of Baal, 450 of them, and all the great horde of the people of Israel, meet Elijah on Mount Carmel. And verse 21 Elijah makes one of the most dramatic statements that any man has ever heard, a question, and I think it's a question that we must consider this morning for our own lives. And if you are not a Christian this morning, I think particularly this question is applicable to your life. When Elijah says now to this great horde of people who gather themselves here on the mountain, and the 450 prophets of Baal, and Ahab himself is there, and he turns to the people and he says, How long will ye halt between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him, and if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Listen to that verse. How long will ye halt between two opinions? It seems to me very logical that if God is truly Jehovah, the supreme creator of this world, the ruler of this world, and we acknowledge him as such, why would a person refuse to serve him? But if there is another God, whoever he might be, and one believes that he is supreme, that he is the ruler of this world, the creator and the giver of the law and the commandments and anything else, then one ought to serve him. As you all know, I have a lot of dealings with the high Christian community in Moundsville. They don't serve the same God I serve, but let me tell you, I respect their enthusiasm and I respect their devotion because they have chosen the God they desire to serve and they serve him faithfully. It is time that we as a church, it is time that this county and this state and this nation makes up their mind who God really is and then puts their efforts into serving that God. Why can there be a halting between two opinions? Why would a person not decide who God is? 
problem is not that we do not believe that God is supreme, that he is the creator of this world and the ruler of it. It's that we don't want to do that which he asks. Why were you hot between two opinions? Notice what the people did. They answered him, not a word. Very end of verse 21, not a word. Why? I have asked people on a number of occasions, from the pulpit, but also in person, will you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And they answer me, not a word. Not a word. Not a condemnation. I can remember one person in particular that I asked that very question. Are things right between you and God? And they did not even make a response. What can I do? I had to welcome. I ask you this morning, are you halting between two opinions? The opinion of serving God as supreme God and Jesus Christ as his Savior, uh, as your Savior? Between that decision and serving whatever God you think is supreme? Joshua stood before the Hebrew people on one occasion and charged them the same way. He said, choose you today whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Men, if you are the head of households and you're not serving the Lord, you want to turn to your family today and say, me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Well, here they are on the mountain. And Elijah says to the 450 prophets of Baal, I want you to build an altar, verse 23 and following. There are two bulls over here in the pen. You go over and choose one of those bulls, and you cut him off, butcher him, and you lay him on that altar made out of wood. Remember, there's a drought on, and it hasn't rained for many months. Lay that bull on that wood. Don't put any fire under it. And I'll butcher the other one. And I'll do the same thing, and I'll not put any fire under mine. And we'll both call on our God. And whichever God responds with fire and consumes that altar with fire, then he's God. Seemed reasonable. And finally, the people said, uh, it is well spoken. So the prophets take the challenge. They build their altar. The bull upon it, and they start calling upon Baal. 
Round and around that altar they go, chanting and crying. Upon the efforts that they put forth to bring down fire from Baal and consume that altar, and they cry and they plead from morning until night. And the scripture says in verse 26, there was no voice. No, nobody, no God responded. No God responded. Listen, the God I serve has a voice. The God I serve speaks. The God I serve has spoken to me. The God I serve, I've heard. Have you? Baal made no response. And Elijah sort of talks him a little bit. And he said, maybe you ought to cry a little louder. He may not hear too well. Maybe he's talking to somebody and doesn't realize you're speaking. Or maybe he's on a journey. Or maybe he's asleep and you need to wake him up. Now, he was being quite sarcastic, but it really revved up the, the motors of these 450 prophets of Baal. They jumped up on the altar. They screamed and they hollered. They took knives and cut themselves. And blood was spurting everywhere in an effort to get their God to hear. But their God did not hear because there is no voice in an idol. The only voice is in the living God. And we serve the living God who spoke to the prophets of the Old Testament even audibly who speaks to our hearts today. Nothing happened, so Elijah prepares his altar. He puts his bull upon that altar, but then he does a strange thing. Remember, there's a drought. He says to some of the men standing there, fill four barrels full of water. And they bring four barrels up the mountain. He says, pour the water on the altar. Soak it with water? Are you kidding? They do it. He says, do it again. They do it again. Do it again. So Twelve barrels of water now have been poured on that altar, and the trench around the altar is full of water. It's soaked. Now you talk about faith. And I want you to go to the 36th verse. One of the most important verses in all the scripture, one of the most important prayers ever prayed. Beginning in the middle of the verse. Here are the people are standing around this altar, and it's been watered down. And here are the 450 prophets of Baal who have been defeated. They have not proved that Baal is God. And Elijah steps forth, and he prays. He says, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their hearts back again. Oh, what a beautiful prayer. What a prayer of faith. Any person would believe in his God so greatly that he would stack the odds against him. The altar is soaked. 
gets down on his knees and prays to God before all these people, one man alone, against Jezebel and all of her prophets. And verse 38 says, And the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. The God I serve, well, I serve, does that kind of thing in response to Your faith and my faith is strong enough in the Lord God, we'll see miracles performed in our life. The reason we don't see miracles performed most times is that we are not capable of receiving one. And we wouldn't recognize it if it ever came. But when our faith is great and we are persistent in praying unto God and calling upon his name, the Lord will do things in our lives. Do you think our God is off on a journey somewhere like Baal? Do you think our God is asleep? Do you think our God does not hear? Listen, our God is keenly aware of everything in our lives. He tells us that there's not even a little sparrow falls from heaven, but what he is aware of it. If he is aware of a sparrow falling from heaven, he is aware of you and me. The scripture tells us that he even knows the number of the hair on our head. How greater can he know us through and through, fully and completely, aware of every need, aware of every problem, aware of every situation. And we can pray unto God, and God hears the prayer, and he will answer for our betterment. Not for our not what we think is our betterment, but for our betterment. There are many times when my dad used to say to me, I'm doing this for your own good, and I would think, you don't know what you're talking about. I can remember when that willow stripped around my bare legs and I screamed bloody murder, and he said, I'm doing this for your good, and I thought it's not doing me much good, it's hurting too much. But listen, today, today I know that he was right. Because that brought me up in the way that he thought I ought to go. He instilled within me some teaching that nobody else would have ever been able to do. He was the man that I looked up to and respected because he disciplined me in times of need in order that my life would be right. God does this as our Heavenly Father. He will answer our prayer according to our need. And sometimes it's discipline that must come into our lives to straighten us out and put our feet on the right path. The Lord is there for our need. And when our faith and our love for the Lord is great, we will see miracles performed in our lives because God will hear our prayer and answer according to his righteous will. We've got to pray. This is what Elijah did. And the people, verse 39, they fell on their face. And they cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Not Baal, but the Lord. It's interesting what Elijah said to Ahab in verse 41. He said to Ahab, 
Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. What? The sky is clear. Not a cloud anywhere. And Elijah has enough faith in God to say to Ahab, it's going to rain now. Why? Because the people have returned to God. It's going to rain now. Because the people have returned to God. We're going to be blessed now because the people have returned to God. When we, as God's people, serve Him faithfully, God's blessings are going to be poured upon us. It's going to rain now. Blessings of God are going to be showered over us because we have returned to His service. What did the old prophet do? He went over to the side, he sat down, verse 42, and he put his face between his knees. And you see him squatted there, his face between his knees, and I think he probably had his hands up over his head and he sat there. And he said to his servant, go look toward the sea, toward the Mediterranean. See what you can see. See if there's a cloud anywhere. Servant came back and said, there's nothing. He said, go and look again. Nothing. Again. Nothing. Seven times. The servant went to look. The seventh time he came back and he reported to Elijah, there's a wee little cloud over the Mediterranean about the size of a man's hand. Get there. It's about to rain. Into the drought of that country. God heard the prayer of a righteous man whose faith turned the hearts of a righteous community, an unrighteous community, back to righteous community. There on the earth, in the dust on the top of the mountain, God's people got down on their faces before him and cried, the Lord is gone. Elijah said, it's going to rain. A little old cloud, about the size of a man's hand, begins to come across the horizon. And before you know it, it was pouring the rain down. Elijah waited for the Lord. Lord heard his prayer. Oh, what patience he must have had. I remember in the upper room, the Lord told his disciples to go to the upper room and there to wait until there had been the outpouring of the Spirit upon them. And when the outpouring of the Spirit came upon them, then they would know what to do, and they waited and waited. For days they waited. Ten days went by, and then finally, when that group of 120 that was in that upper room were joined together in one chord, the Spirit of God came down upon them and filled them with His power. It rained. It rained the power of God into their lives because they waited for the Lord. Are we willing?
Jesus Christ as Savior. We need to bow our knees before Him, but more importantly, we need to bow our hearts. If you're not a Christian this morning, you have to quit parting between two opinions. Make up your mind. Is Jesus Christ the Son of God? Is God supreme? And if He is, why not serve Him? If He is not, don't waste time here. This is the wrong place to be. Those of us who went with Elijah to the top of Mount Carmel as, his, as Christian people, I hope that we've been on our faces in the dust before God this morning and have proclaimed from the depths of our heart, the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. If we've done that, look for the little cloud in the sky that will tell you it's about to rain God's blessings Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at James sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.